Uh, before we begin, I would like to say thank you. I believe this is the Word of God. And as the Word of God, it has supernatural powers to shape and transform our lives. And it has done that for me. It has changed my life. And so to open up the Word of God with you all and share with you what I've been learning in it is a real honor. And it's something that I don't take lightly. So thank you. Also, before we begin, I would like to say a quick word of prayer. This is my prayer, that our love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that we may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ's return, so we could be filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. I heard a joke recently about a man who was looking for work. He was out of work for a while because of COVID-19, and he just could not find a job. He had a lot of interviews, but he wasn't getting any calls back, and he decided to tell his friend about his story. He said, Joe, I don't get it. I'm qualified for these jobs. I've had a lot of interviews. It's just that there's no jobs that are calling me back. I mean, a lot of them, if not all of them, they've been asking me, hey, are you responsible? And I answer, of course I'm responsible. Very responsible, in fact. Any time that anything went wrong at my uh, previous job, any time something broke or something was misordered or put away wrong, I was responsible. Of course I'm responsible. So that's not exactly the responsibility that you would maybe look for in an employee. We're all responsible for our actions, whether good or bad. And today, we're going to be talking about responsibility. Specifically, you are responsible for how you respond to Jesus. Here at Asbury, we've been focusing on the last 24 hours of Jesus's life. Last week, we talked about the religious leaders and the trial that they put Jesus on. This week, we're going to be looking at the Roman political trial that Jesus went through. We're going to be looking at Matthew 27, verses 11 through 26. And so if you want to open up your Bibles or get your phone out or your, however you're going to read your Bible, turn to Matthew 27. We're going to be primarily there today. And we're going to be thinking about the question. As we look at all these people responding to Jesus, thinking about Jesus, they all respond to Jesus differently. And we're going to be thinking today about the question, how will you respond? How will you respond? There's a number of different key players at the political trial. We see at least four key players at Jesus' trial. There's Pilate, who's the governor. There's the crowd who condemned Jesus to death. There's Barabbas, the convicted felon who's released. And there's the religious leaders. Now, because we talked at length last week, Harold talked at length uh, about the religious leaders in their trial, we're not going to focus on them too much this, this week. We're going to look mostly at Pilate, the crowd, and Barabbas and see how they respond to Jesus. And then we're going to ask, how will I respond to Jesus? How will you respond 
to Jesus. First, though, we need to know exactly who the crowd, Pilate and Barabbas, think Jesus is. So who does Jesus claim to be? Who do they think Jesus is? We see Pilate's response primarily beginning in verse 12. So open up your, I'm sorry, we see who Jesus is primarily in verse 11. So open up to Matthew 27, and we're going to start in verse 11. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? You have said so, Jesus replied. So later on in verses 17 and 22, Pilate makes it clear that Pilate also thinks that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus is king. That is the claim being made, that Jesus is king. Jesus is also claiming that he's the Messiah. Pilate tries to make it clear that these charges are being brought against him. And as governor, although he may not understood the full weight of everything, he's the governor of the region. He would have understood what it meant for Jesus to claim to be the king and the Messiah, the savior of the Jews. Jesus does not shy away from being called king or Messiah. Why? Well, simply because Jesus is, Jesus was, and Jesus always will be king. He is the king. He is the king of kings. He's not a king like the local kings of the day. In fact, currently in the situation at the trial, he's about to be beaten, flogged, humiliated, and tortured to death. It's not very kingly in the traditional sense of a king. But the reality is, Jesus is more of a king than any other king who has ever lived. Ever. What type of king is Jesus? We read a little bit about it in Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. The king, Jesus, the son, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's the king of everything. Gravity itself is held together by his rule. If he were to stop being king of the universe, everything would just evaporate. We would all be destroyed and cease to exist. He is the king of everything. And so when asked, hey, are you the king of the Jews? He doesn't deny it because he is the king. He is the Messiah. And what's more, he actually claims to be the only way to heaven. We read in John 14, starting in verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claims he's the king. Jesus claims he's the Messiah. And Jesus claims that there's no other way to the Father. There's no other way to heaven. There isn't working enough to be good enough. The Pharisees wanted to work hard enough to get to heaven. That's not going to work. There isn't a possibility of another religion that's going to get you to heaven. There isn't another Messiah who's going to come. Jesus is it. He is the only way to heaven. So 
what are Jesus' claims? First, Jesus claimed to be the Messiah. Second, Jesus claimed to be the King of all things. And finally, Jesus claimed to be the only way to heaven. These are the claims that are brought before the court. These are the claims that the Pharisees are saying Jesus have made, along with others. But these are the claims that, uh, that the crowd is responding to, that Pilate is responding to, that Barabbas is responding to. Now that we truly understand who Jesus is claiming to be, we can understand the responses of the key players. So how did they respond? We see Pilate's response primarily in verses 12 through 19. So let's turn to Matthew 27 and start in verse 12. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Then Pilate asked him, don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? But Jesus made no reply, not even to a single charge to the great amazement of the governor. Now, it was the governor's custom at the festival to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a well-known prisoner who was named Jesus Barabbas. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus Barabbas or Jesus, who is called the Messiah? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent him this message. Don't have anything to do with that innocent man. For I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. So how does Pilate respond to Jesus? Pilate was amazed. First, he was amazed. Jesus understood the implications of the charges brought against him. Death. That is what awaited him because of the charges. Pilate made sure that Jesus understood these charges. They wanted he and Jesus had an understanding. Listen, these are the charges brought against you, Jesus. You're going to die. You're going to be tortured to death. Crucifixion. Are you aware of this? And Jesus understands, and he doesn't defend himself. This amazed Pilate. The Greek word here for amazement is the same word that's used when people react to miracles in the Bible. So when the crowds saw Jesus heal a paralyzed man who was paralyzed from birth, the people were amazed, greatly amazed. When Jesus calmed the storm, on the Sea of Galilee, the disciples were greatly amazed. And when the New Testament recounts the story of the burning bush and Moses, it says that Moses was greatly amazed about this bush. In the Bible, this word is a reaction to the miraculous. Pilate is reacting as if he is witnessing a miracle. Someone is claiming to be the son of God, the Messiah of the world, the king of everything, the only way to heaven, and they're not defending themselves. This is amazing to Pilate. Have you ever experienced something that left you questioning reality, that left you in amazement? About 
two years ago, I was driving up north. I was the passenger in a company truck. It was a U-Haul type of vehicle, a box truck, and as we're driving, we hit a patch of black ice. When we hit that patch of black ice, we turned sideways, and as we turned sideways, we realized that we were about to roll. The driver and I made eye contact, and we started rolling, we tipped, and we rolled, and the side of the car or the truck grabbed onto a barricade. It kind of got stabbed by the barricade and it peeled open the truck. Here's a photo of sort of what it looked like. Um, so you see here that the truck has been peeled open, that there's boxes everywhere, that there's product everywhere. I was doing light construction work. There's tools and there was a cop actually right behind us and he didn't even write the driver a ticket because it was unavoidable. We actually rolled twice over and we landed upright. The, there's been, there were spikes that were stabbed through the side of the truck that ripped it open like a can of tuna. And essentially, here's the thing. We walked away from that Neither the driver nor I had a single bruise or even a scratch on us. How? We were amazed. It was incredible. In fact, I went to a, a job site later in the day. H how? How is this? A th what just happened? We were amazed. How often... Do I react to Jesus the same way I think about that event? How often do I think about that time in my life and I wonder, oh my gosh, that's how I should feel about Jesus. Are you amazed at Jesus? That is a proper reaction to Jesus right there, amazement. Jesus is the king of the universe. He created everything. He rules over everything. Without his reign and rule, we would stop existing. Our atoms would simply dissipate and gone. We'd be gone. Jesus holds us all together and he died for us on the cross. He died for our sins so we could spend eternity with him. This is amazing. How often do I react in amazement to Jesus? Sometimes the proper response is to simply be amazed and worship Jesus. Currently, this is a worship service. On Sunday mornings, we gather together for a worship service. We want to come together and respond to who Jesus is and what he's done. We want to be amazed together. We want to come together and worship Jesus together because he's so amazing, so incredible. We are excited to worship Jesus because of who he is and we're amazed about who he is. What's the other way that Pilate responded to Jesus? Well, Pilate failed to defend Jesus. We read that in verse 18, Pilate knew the trial was a sham. He knew that Jesus had brought, been brought to him out of the self-interest of the crowd. Pilate understood that basically this was a false trial. Harold called it a kangaroo court uh, about the religious trial. This is the same thing. It's totally fake. All the charges, or a lot of the charges are, are fake. And basically, Pilate knows that Jesus is on trial and not deserving of murder. He 
tries to defend Jesus. He tries to set Jesus free. Even his wife comes up to him and says, listen, you really need to set Jesus free. And he kind of tries, right? He kind of tries to defend Jesus, but I don't know. I don't know. It seems like Pilate gives in to cultural pressure. It seems like Pilate could have released Jesus, but he gave in and he gave up. In Matthew 27, we read in verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. Now, I don't think he washes away the guilt of his choice by saying that. He was a man in authority, and he had the power to release Jesus. He knew the right thing to do, and he didn't do it. He knew that Jesus was innocent, and instead of taking responsibility and ownership of his position of authority, he abused it, and he let the crowd decide. He gave up his own responsibility. He decided to send Jesus, an innocent man, to the cross to die. That's really what happened. He washed his hand of the guilt, sort of as a, look at, I'm doing the right thing, but really his commitment was shallow and he did not defend Jesus. I think what Pilate did that day is a lot like what we call virtue signaling today. Virtue signaling is where you sort of display or broadcast that you have a certain set of morals. So you want people to know that you believe X, Y, or Z. You make a social media post about, you know, how great and how awesome this cause is or that cause is. But when in reality, you don't want to do anything. You just want to post on social media. I just want to post on social media. And when it comes down to it, I'm not willing to actually do anything to support it. It's called virtue signaling. Pilate was not willing to do anything about the fact that he met Jesus. He encountered Jesus in a real way. He was amazed at who Jesus was. His wife was so excited and did not want him to convict Jesus. But Pilate was unwilling to stand up to the social, cultural, and political pressure that would follow if he actually stood up and defended Jesus. Will you fail to defend Jesus? Are you ever like Pilate? Is your commitment to Jesus shallow? Do you just want others to know that you're a good person, but when the cultural pressure comes and you're having to choose between true biblical standards and cultural ones, do you give in and give up? Are you willing to put yourself in social danger for the sake of Christ? John 15, verses 18 through 21, Jesus warns us that if we hold to biblical standards, if we love Jesus and don't go along with culture, the world will hate us, we're not going to fit in, and we're going to be persecuted for our beliefs. Jesus says in verse 18, John 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. 
If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. If our actions are moral and upright, if we stand against the cultural norms, if we decide that we want to defend Jesus and stand for biblical values, do not be surprised if the world hates you. Pilate could not handle that reality. Pilate gave in and gave up. He may have been amazed at Jesus and drawn to him, but he didn't have the courage to defend him. Pilate is responsible for how he responded to Jesus. And you are responsible for how you respond to Jesus as well. Will you be amazed at Jesus and worship him? Will you stand up to defend Jesus? Even in danger of social disgrace, will you defend Jesus? Will you stand up for biblical values? You are responsible for how you respond to Jesus. Maybe you might respond like we see the crowd responding. We read on in Matthew 27, starting in verse 20, how the crowd responded. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus executed. Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate asked. They all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood. He said, it is your responsibility. All the people answered, his blood is on us and on our children. How did the crowd respond to Jesus? The crowd rejected Jesus as king. The crowd rejected Jesus as king. There's at least two levels to the rejection of the crowd, uh, that the way the crowd rejected Jesus. The first is that the crowd rejected Jesus to be freed, rejected him, as a person. But the deeper, more meaningful rejection is despite Jesus, or despite Pilate giving uh, the crowd a chance to release him and, and have them uh, have Jesus be the king of their life, the crowd rejected Jesus as king. The crowd did not want Jesus to be the king. The crowd rejected the claims that Jesus is the only way to heaven and rejected that he is the Messiah. And this is prophesied that it's going to happen this way. 750 years before Jesus' day, Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 3, he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. But he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Did you notice that Isaiah doesn't just say it's the crowd who's responsible? Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be despised and rejected by humanity, humankind. That's us. We're in the crowd. We may want to point the finger and blame the crowd for rejecting Jesus and say we would never have done that, but the reality is we did. They represented humanity. We did reject him. 
We sang the song, how great the father's, how deep the father's love for us. And there's a line in it that goes, ashamed I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. So the question is, will you reject Jesus as king? Is Jesus truly the king of your life? Do you truly submit to his reign in your life? Is he the ruler of your whole life? There's a famous quote by Hudson Taylor that goes, Christ is either Lord of all or is not Lord at all. Christ wants to reign over your whole life. He wants to reign over your relationships, your thoughts, your mind, your body, your children, your um, intellect. He wants to reign over your job. He wants to reign over everything you are. Now, we may not reject Christ openly like the crowd does, but are we holding on to parts of our life that we don't want Christ to rule over? Are we holding on to things that we want to reign over, that we want to rule over, that we want to be kings over and queens over? Are we? Or are we submitting our full lives to Christ? Will we allow Christ to be king? There's a few things that happen when Christ is truly the king of our lives. First, we get eternal life. If we believe the gospel, we can live eternally. A summary of the gospel is found in 1 Corinthians, verse 15, 3 through 4. What I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So, Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he conquered death on the third day. That is the gospel message. And if you believe it, you will end up spending eternity in paradise. If he's the king of your life, that's what that means. Eternity in paradise. Right now we're in a season of Lent as a large church community. And in the season of Lent, we think about our own mortality, the fact that we're going to die. We are. We are going to die. There is something after this life. And with Christ as the king of your life, you will spend eternity in paradise. There's also a present reality to making Jesus the king of your life. And we see that in 2 Corinthians verse 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. When Jesus is the king of our lives, we are new creations. We are born again. Have you ever heard that Christian phrase, born again? It's really true. We get a new chance at life. We get to live as Christ is our king. We get to live a new, fuller life. The plans Christ has for you are the best, most fulfilling life pos uh, plans possible. Yes, life will still be tough, but if Christ is the king, you can be sure that his plans for you are both presently and eternally perfect. 
Will you react? Will you respond to Christ in a positive way? You are responsible for how you respond to Christ, whether you reject Christ and the claims he's made or not. Once the crowd rejected Christ as king, their rejection quickly became condemnation. The crowd condemned Jesus. The crowd chanted, crucify him, crucify him, kill him. We don't care that he's the king. We don't care that he's the Messiah. We don't care that he claims to be the only way to heaven. In fact, all of those things offend us. We need to get rid of him, get, get him out of our lives. The crowd condemned Jesus. Imagine with me that you had a neighbor move in down the street and they claimed all the same things that Christ claimed. So first time you met them, they said, hello, I am the creator of everything in the entire universe and I reign supreme over everything. I am the Messiah, the savior of all of humanity, and I'm the only way to get to heaven. Now, if someone moved in next door to you and was saying those types of things, we'd probably react in a number of different ways. Very few of them being positive. We would maybe expect them to end up in a mental institute. They would probably end up on the FBI cult leader watch list. They would greatly offend us if they just continually said these things and never backed down and truly said them. We would really be offended. We would want them out of our lives and maybe we wouldn't condemn them to death on a cross, but we surely would condemn them to be out of our lives as crazy, as sinful, as belligerent, as a liar. Those claims are offensive if they're not true. If you reject those claims, you will condemn Jesus. Will you condemn Jesus? If we reject his claims, his, he becomes offensive very quickly. There is no room for Jesus who is just a good person or a wise teacher. Jesus has claimed to be the Messiah, the Son of God, the Savior of all humanity, King of all things, the only way to heaven. A good person or wise teacher would not claim those things. That's not the type of thing a normal human claims. If we reject those things, we will quickly condemn Jesus because those claims are offensive, but you don't have to. You don't have to reject Jesus. You don't have to condemn Jesus. We get a chance in this life to respond in a positive way. We get a chance in this life to live our lives under the reign of Christ so that we can have eternity with Christ and presently the best life possible. You haven't gone too far yet. You can come back. You can submit to his reign. You are responsible for how you respond to Jesus' claims. As we wrap up today, we finish with Barabbas and we ask, how did Barabbas respond to Jesus? Now, Barabbas' story, I think, truly begins in Matthew 27, verse 26. Then he released Barabbas to them. So Pilate released Barabbas. But he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. So Pilate handed Jesus over to be flogged and crucified. And Barabbas was set free. Barabbas was on death row. He was an insurrectionist, a rebel leader, and a murderer. 
he knew what was coming. Death, humiliation, torture on a cross, suffocating slowly. And he also knew he deserved it. He deserved the punishment he was going to get. But in a special, unique way, Jesus died in Barabbas' place. Jesus died for Barabbas. Jesus took on the punishment that was for Barabbas. And we are left to wonder, how did he respond? How did Barabbas respond? Did he respond positively? Did he continue in his ways? Did he reject the claims that Jesus made as King, Messiah, and the only way to heaven? Or did he end up with the disciples? Was this the first day that he was born new? Was this the first day of the rest of his life? Was this the moment where his life turned around? As we think about Barabbas and his response, our minds may naturally put us in his shoes. How will I respond to Jesus? How will I respond to Jesus? Jesus died for Barabbas in a special, unique way, sure. But guess what? Jesus also died in your place. Jesus also died for your sins. Jesus also died for you. And how will you respond? Like Pilate, will you be amazed at Jesus, but when push comes to shove your commitment to Jesus, will it be shallow? Will you just flat out reject the claims made by Jesus and condemn Jesus? Or will you respond positively? Will you allow Christ to be the king of your life? Will you believe the claims made by Jesus? Will you believe that he is the king of your life, the creator of all things, the savior of humanity? Will you believe that he died on the cross for your sins, that he was buried, and that he was resurrected? He conquered death on the third day? You are responsible for how you respond to Jesus. I want you to know that today can mark the first day where you positively respond to Jesus. This can be it. This can be the day where you make Christ the king of your life. This can be the day where you invite God's presence into your life. You are tired of living without him. You want him to be on your side and on your team. And you want eternity in heaven with him. And you want presently the best, most fulfilling life possible. Today can be the day where you make him the king of your life. If you're wanting to make that first-time commitment to Christ and you need some help, ask a trusted Christian friend for some help. You can email us. You can fill it out on your connection card. We'd love to respond to you. If we saw that, we would be so excited to respond to you. Or maybe you're just wanting to, not just, but maybe you're wanting to give more of your life over to Christ. Maybe there's something that you are holding on to and you want some prayer. You want some prayer and some support. You can reach out to the community of believers around you. You can reach out to us. You can fill out a connection card and just tell us what you want us to pray for you. We will love you and support you and pray for you. We're on the same team. Maybe you're thinking about responding to Jesus by giving more of your life over to him. No matter how you respond to Jesus, the claims that he is making demand a response. Jesus demands a response. How will you respond?
Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for sending your son to this earth. We thank you so much for who he was and is. Lord, he is the king of all things. He holds all things together. He invented music and physics and holds gravity itself in place with his reign, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that he died on the cross for our sins and that he was, he conquered death and rose again on the third day. We thank you, Lord, that he's reigning supreme. And Lord, I ask that in all of our hearts today, your spirit would be moving, that your spirit would be drawing us to you and that we would respond to Jesus in a positive way this week. Lord, we just ask that even in this moment, we could respond to Jesus. Lord, thank you so much for all you are and all you do for us. In your name we pray, amen.